What's up, everyone? My name is Wes, and you're listening to the Ear Coffee Podcast. For today's episode, I chatted with all four members of the Minneapolis band Careful Gaze. Recently, the band put out their newest single, Cold Spring, and they're planning to record their long-awaited sophomore album early next year. We got to talk about the band's history, how they've grown with each respective release, their ambitious future projects, and more. Without further ado, here's my interview with Gabe, Aslan, Bailey, and Preston of Careful Gaze on the Ear Coffee Podcast. How are we doing on this Saturday morning? We're doing great. Yeah. Super good. Good. That's good. Um, just to get things, the obvious things out of the way, uh, why don't we start with some introductions? Um, any particular order, just a name, role in the band, and uh, any other information you choose to volunteer about yourself into the ears of millions. Uh, I'm Gabe, and I do vocals, and I told my mom that Arcade Fire was a Christian album, uh, a Neon Bible by Arcade Fire was a Christian album, so she let me listen to it. That's genius. I, I was a child. That. Yeah. Wasn't recent. <laughs> 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 my name's Aslan, and I play bass. My name's Bailey, and I fiddle the guitar. Why'd you say fiddle? My name's Preston, <laughs> and my mom once yelled at me for purchasing a 30 Seconds to Mars album because they weren't Christian. Well, what do you the do tag the, along. What do you do in the band? I play guitar. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Which 30 Seconds to Mars album was uh, it? It was the one with the kill on it, but oh. she like went to their website. I think that's and, the like, first one. Yeah, she like went to their website, and they were like giving them the middle finger, and my mom was pissed. Preston's role in the band is getting yelled at. His mom. I guess, that's, yeah, that was the it's point like, of his introduction. How does that pay? Is that like better than Spotify? Um, well, like we kind of worked above. it out. Yeah, we're like, I, it's, it's like, like eleven. The point. It's like title. Point one one cents yeah, per like, per minute yeah, or whatever. Title per rate. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, the title rate. I hate getting punished, but it does pay. It does pay, and that's how we get by in this world. Um, so I find that pretty much everyone that has made the decision to pursue uh, pursue music in some way, shape, or form, whether it's writing, recording, performing, or all three, um, that individually they have have had a relationship with music for a really long time and just have had a really close connection with it just as a listener, first and foremost. So I'm curious, um, what are some of your earliest memories of just enjoying music, appreciating music, or just where it really like connected with you when you were growing up and maybe like the first couple times you heard like your favorite band or just those really formative experiences. Um, cause I'm assuming there is at least something cause now you're all sitting here doing a podcast about your band and mm -hmm. had to start somewhere. <laughs> Mine was weird because I, my earliest relationship with music was playing in nursing homes to the elderly and playing hymns and very traditional music. Just my dad would give me a harmonica and just let me rip. <laughs> and I don't know why they ever asked <laughs> us to come back. Um, and then we would also do like hospital visits and stuff. And so a lot of like really heavy kind of like somber yeah. first experiences like through a church or like just like a family volunteering thing, kind of just a family okay. band situation. Um, could you play the harmonica? I mean, I could breathe in and out. And the that <laughs> That's playing the harmonica. Sound was it's, being emitted. It's, it's all in scale. They come in scale. So you can just go. Ooh, I remember ooh, being like 12 ee. and finding out you could bend notes on the harmonica and be like, holy shit. <laughs> what is this? But then I started uh, actually choosing what I listened to rather than just playing, you know, what I was around and what my parents would listen to, which was a lot of like CCM Christian music from the 90s. Yeah. Um, and when I actually started choosing it, it was more like emo indie stuff. 
Um, I remember like listening to The Week's End by Emery and just on like a portable CD player in my car and being like, this is way different. Like this is, this makes me feel things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like stuff like that are, and our arcade fire. Like I, I joke about that, but like for real, that was a huge influence. Um, right there with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it's been like 10 years. You can kind of joke about it. Be like, no, that, that was that kind of stuff like comes to you and your kind of your mind's just cracked open. You're like, Whoa, uh, this is overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember also like a very specific point in my life where, um, I was like in between beds in my room. Like I, we had gotten rid of one and I was waiting for another one and I was just laying on my floor listening to funeral by arcade fire. Uh, and it was like a, a moment of pain. I don't know, <laughs> but also comfort. Yeah. So that was, that was a lot. And then I, I got into a heavier stuff like kill switch engage and some grind core and, <laughs> and it all kind of like collectively influenced me to where I am today, which is this, strange in between land of genres yeah uh i grew up playing piano i started playing piano when i was seven and was doing like recitals and stuff which was my first like live music performance and i really liked it it was fun and i wasn't particularly great but i enjoyed it and i don't know that i guess that's where that's where it all started the addiction started <laughs> it was a down downward spiral <laughs> So sick, twisted piano recital. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I started playing guitar when I was eight, nine. I took about nine months of lessons and it didn't stick. My teacher just didn't get, didn't know how to um, facilitate my kind of learning. And in that time I was, I didn't listen to any kind of like rock or anything. I mainly listened to whatever my parents listened to on the radio until I heard Van Halen. Oh, and that sent me off on a rock and roll kick for a couple of years. I listened to like from ages like nine to 11, I listened to a lot of hair metal, a lot of uh, <laughs> the prime uh, age of dude, hair metal. Oh yeah. 11. Like <laughs> when you're eight and Def Leppard's the coolest thing you've ever dude, heard. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember. <laughs> and then, and then I kind of got into grunge cause my dad was also really into like Nirvana and Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and then somewhere along the line, I found Metallica and that just sent me on a metal kick. And mm-hmm. I spent seven, eight years going from Metallica to Trivium to Killswitch to Lamb of God to and then it just got crazy mm-hmm. listening to every subgenre. As long as the man is screaming and there's heavy guitar, I liked it. <laughs> And then around mid high school, I found Dave Matthews Band, which made me go, "Okay, I like stuff other than metal." We're, we're drawing it back a little. Bit. Yeah, yeah, it's like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna take the, we're gonna turn the gain knob down a bit, and he's going to sing. And yeah, I, out out of high school, I played in a lot of bands, did a lot of metal, and then decided I wanted to do something else, and got lucky. <laughs> um. I forgot the question already. I've been thinking so much. <laughs> uh, just some of your earliest, earliest about memories of what? music. If you forgot the question, what were you thinking about? <laughs> about me listening to 80s I, hair metal as my introduction to music. Like, oh, what a man. Oh, that those luscious yeah. cheeks. Oh, well, I, got, I got distracted because he was listening to Dave Matthews today. And then I was thinking. What? I'm having a resurgence yeah, again. That's fair. It's a cycle. Um, I, <laughs> God damn it. Um, <laughs> Probably like the earliest, my friend played guitar 
And I was like, I want to play guitar. And then I'd watch like a lot of my upbringing with music was like through the church because that's what my parents were dragging me to every week. And so it was so real. Yeah, (laughs) it was like a lot of like I'd go to church, I'd watch the guitar player play and I'd be like, that's so cool. I want to do that. And then like one day he got pissed at me because I wasn't worshiping. I was watching him play guitar and like the guitar player straight up the guitar player stopped playing during the middle of the worship set came out and like like basically like just like told me to like stop doing that and to worship jesus and i was like but like the guitar is cool that's how you make someone not want to worship jesus ever again (laughs) yeah Yeah, what a what a man yeah how old was this guy uh probably like 17 were you doing okay yeah see i was expecting like a youth pastor no no no, i was just sitting there like like air guitaring that's worship when you're like 17 just like like, come on hey this 10 year old's air guitaring i hate that stop it i better go call him out air guitaring to a worship band playing newsboys yeah exactly i better go save his soul yeah so like a lot of my like early years were like listening to like ccm and like i got like really into hawk nelson and i remember one year stellar cart Yo, Stellar Cart. I was super into Stellar Cart. I saw Stellar Cart live. They <laughs> they opened for Sleep, right? They well, yeah. It was like Stellar Cart, then Sleep, and oh, then the Mac other Sleep. <laughs> um, and yeah, like I remember my first live show playing. I was like ten, maybe, and me and my buddies covered Hawk Nelson for like this festival in like our small town area. This is joyful noise, no. <laughs> and yeah, and like I just remember like playing it was the worst thing i'm so glad there's not videos of it because like it probably sounded like utter horse shit but like everyone was clapping and very excited about it and that's when i was like i want to do this this is (laughs) my ego found its place right then and there is like a 10 year old in small town iowa and like ever since just been like listening to like i don't know just like whatever is out there really like i thought i wasn't a fan of metal and then i got a mixtape handed to me like when I was like 14 that had metal songs on it, I was like, okay, these slap like hell yeah. And I got really into bullet for my Valentine. <laughs> they just put on a new album. Yeah. Did they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had to stock so many other CDs. That's the only reason I know that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have not listened. <laughs> Their discography is good. Okay. Um, get that out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Get that out of the way. But like really got into like my formative years of like being like 13 and like 16. I got into like, really into like go radio and mayday parade and like oh. all that sad emo shit and just rode that wave and really really listened to all of it way too much probably and then now i'm here now we're as here. a 24 year old male yeah <laughs> just chilling um you already kind of started answering this but sort of a follow-up um just the moment if there was a moment where you first knew that you actually wanted to play or perform music or even write it you kind of talked about your Hawk Nelson cover trio. Um, so I'm wondering if the other three had any particular moment where you're not only realizing, oh, I really love music just as a listener, but this is something where I want to continue to make it, whether it's just like live or whatever, just really that taking that next step in the journey to being in a band and all the all that stuff. <laughs> For me, it was I met um Aslan and a couple other people that were playing in a band already. And it was even like a Christian band. This is back in like 2010 or 2009. And um, my parents were even super resistant to that 
I showed them bands like Four Today to try to be like, here, look, they're screaming about Jesus. And they were even like, Satan calls upon the name of the Lord. And they really <laughs> didn't want me to do it. Uh, but I finally got them to relent and they let me do it. And we played in just like a small town, Clear Lake, Iowa at a band shell um, for our first show. And I played drums and did vocals. And that was the time when I really realized like, cause that was my first like live performance besides church or at, like I said, nursing homes, mm-hmm. hospitals. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is a way better vibe uh, overall than, than that. And that the, at least the nursing home th- stuff, I think that obviously has a place, but um, just feeling how different that was and like how electric the crowd was even for a band that retrospectively like wasn't that great now. Um, that was like my moment where I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do and I will continue to do it for as long as I can. And we stayed the night in a haunted house. Yeah, that was pretty fucked that up. That was pretty crazy. That, that sounds pretty dope actually. It wasn't. <laughs> I mean, as someone that, that lived in a haunted house for like, eight or nine years we're like, arguably in a haunted dope. house right now okay so, oh hell yeah our house used to be haunted well yeah the ghost not, move out yeah the ghost the ghost followed yeah. a certain somebody out of the house oh. and we're, very, we're very thankful for that i'm sorry uh yeah i i, I <laughs> did those piano recitals as like a seven and eight year old and that was my first uh some i guess i should some context. I grew up pretty sheltered mm-hmm. and didn't Sounds like we all kind of did. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm among, I'm among my peers for sure. Uh, and so I didn't really know anything about live music or bands or <laughs> like that people made a living playing music. Um, that wasn't just like in the worship, like the pianist and acoustic guitarist at church. Playing those post-rock chords. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it was like, it was really just the the recitals, and I was like, "Oh, this is cool!" Like people play live, and people like listen and appreciate it, and it's fun. And yeah, yeah. I don't know. It started very simply. Yeah. Yep. Very humble origin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so far, humble hum, humble journey. <laughs> <laughs> um, mine was very similar. Um, after my, I, I used to have an in home guitar teacher. Like when my. Because my dad, when he was younger, he was a keyboardist. So he wanted to keep music in the family. So he's like, oh, I'll just try my firstborn son and see if maybe he's got it. <laughs> and um, after the first teacher didn't work, I went to like a like a school, like a, like a music school. And they would do recitals twice a year. So I'd perform by myself. <laughs> I was the kid that was performing like sweet child of mine, but I was <laughs> only playing guitar. Baby, I'd walk up on stage, plug into an amp I've never played before and just, just play one guitar over and over again. It, just one guitar of sweet child of mine all the way through. Oh so. Did you do the solo? Yes. Nice. Please tell me there's yes. video. I'm not telling you how to find it. <laughs> ah, there's video. Yeah. Do this. Um, I just told so many people that. Oh, no. Um, Some intrepid but, like, listeners would be like, I'm going to find this. Song. Check our Patreon next month, folks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, but after a while, they started putting bands together from the students Like once they got old enough. So I played a couple of really bad like one or two song sets for these. And we were playing like, it was like, Nirvana covers, Metallica covers, like whatever we could manage to play and not mm-hmm. sound atrocious. But that was kind of my first taste of like, oh, like this is like what this is what like. this is what playing live feels like. This is cool. 
And then I went and started my own band and played that sh- like that first show was the one was like, yeah, OK, mm-hmm. this is this is for sure. it. Because at recitals, they're all just sitting there in the chairs going, yeah, great job. Like, all, like, Wonderful. Like, mom. Yeah. And, and then one of the moms is no like, what. I, I fucking hate Metallica. And you're just like <laughs> <laughs> just playing the riff to enter Sandman over and over again. That, that was the <laughs> song. The worst day of my life. <laughs> that was absolutely the song. And it was great, too, because I was playing guitar and singing. I just wanted to be James Hetfield. I just wanted to be James Hetfield. You can from still Metallica. be James Hetfield. You can still be James yeah, Hetfield. Time. Yeah. <laughs> See, we're halfway there. Uh, <laughs> uh, so outside of uh, Bailey's future career as a James Hetfield impersonator, um, we can jump a little bit more into kind of the very beginnings of what would become Careful Gaze. And we'll kind of skim over this because it's been a long time, but... I found in my digging, uh, Hunter oh, no. Dumped is here. Oh, no. I found it. Yes. And it's yeah, actually because I went, I didn't find it initially because I was just going through your old Facebook events. I'm like, oh, when did the band actually start? And I'm like, there's a lot of Facebook events that just don't have careful gaze on in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's just a different band here. Yeah. Um, so we don't have to revisit it too much. But um, I believe that was your old band. There was No, it was the two of you, right? Actually, the three of us, us. basically everybody besides Bailey um, performed under that name Mm -hmm. at some point. So that started the band I was talking about, which was like the the Christian metal band I was in with Aslan. That broke up. And like I said, I was very much like I still want to make music. So Mm -hmm. coming basically right out of high school, I started doing Hunter Dumptus here as a solo project. Okay, And it was a very disorganized one man band with like percussion and tracks and piano. It was great. And like it was definitely for Cedar Rapids, Iowa, it was like okay, like compared <laughs> to like what else there was, but it was not not great. Like seeing there's still videos of me. I don't I shouldn't say that because people probably look them up, but there's still videos of me performing by myself at just like a terrible church venue. Um and just uh yeah, saying things like that I'm surprised they let me say in a church, but I still did it, and then I yeah, started. You, you, his one of his first songs had a glory hole reference, and, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and he, it somehow was still being played and like loved by all these Christian kids, and it was great. <laughs> it was a metaphor for uh, how what the modern day church is, but oh yeah, it was still a glory hole they, reference. It still went over, I think, everybody's head, including <laughs> maybe mine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you don't want like these these old ladies being like wait a minute <laughs> you ever look i i feel like i look back a lot and i'm like i think my lyrics went over my own head um in some ways which is a really weird thing to like understand as i grow yeah because it, it doesn't sound like you're saying it like a i was so smart and like like you're like praising yourself but you're just kind of like i didn't fully realize what i was writing and mm-hmm. saying it's in a, not quite in like the boastful way it's more like a earnest realization mm-hmm. it's one of those cool things just about especially starting music young and like being able, like having music you release, being able to look back and go, Oh wow. Like I'm touching on some stuff right now that like, I don't even like, I didn't even fully comprehend at the time. Mm -hmm. Like I was just so much in that moment. I just, it just came out. Just flailing to try to get it out and express it. And all all of Mm -hmm. this like stuff that was inside because there was that I, at that point, I think I even still probably identified as a Christian, um, Mm -hmm. but was still just like, so, just at the cusp of like talking about all of this stuff yeah. that was wrong with all of that. Um, yeah. You get metaphysical though for a moment, maybe that speaks to the like transcend- transcendental quality of art and of music, but art in general, how yeah. 
like you can be a conduit for something you don't even fully understand yourself, which is kind of cool. I started having uh, Preston play with me at coffee shops and realized like, I actually want this person in my band. Um, so we then essentially for like two years became uh, baseless post hardcore. So that was great. <laughs> we literally <laughs> opened so for much. let live at like a pretty good venue in Des Moines and just didn't have a bass player. And it was right. just like, it so was acoustic guitar, right? Drums and keyboard. Yeah. And acoustic and electric. I wish I switched mm-hmm. off. Okay. But even like still, I, he might've just been, nice but jason butler was like that was so sick and like gave us a shout out i was like how now i think about it i'm like how did you like this like at the time or like either you i don't understand that you like this or you were just being very kind you were trying to be like really matter maybe he was like i see something here in them and i'm gonna like try to encourage them so they don't give up and stay shitty forever (laughs) um that could have been what it was i mean i think it was that yeah but then uh aslan had moved to colorado and came back to iowa where we started and um so he joined and then yeah we we tried basically we played a lot of the midwest and and did a little bit of touring under that name i actually woke up to a notification from google on my phone that said five years ago today we were on our first tour um with that band in uh not yeah lawrence lawrence, lawrence kansas, kansas. Oh, jackpot wow yep jackpot I lounge r.i.p yep that's when we found out how much our drummer at the time hated touring so that was cool um hated life i think (laughs) that like we got back and we were all like yeah like sick it was like 10 days we're like that was overall really sick like we made some money we came yeah we made we actually made money go on a tour we got to go on a tour we didn't die although there were moments and there were a lot of moments you know we all things considered i think it was a great time we were all like in very much in that spirit and the drummer was just like it was a thing we did and I was like, oh, okay. fuck, that's the last, that's the last tour we're going on <laughs> with like him. The slightly passive aggressive were like, that definitely happened, you, but I won't made, say that I didn't like it. You <laughs> made money on your first tour and he wasn't stoked on that. Right? Yeah. That's Dude, I did so many tours before I ever made a dollar. He was also like to be to him, I guess, explain it a little more. He was like late 30s, had already done a lot of band stuff and kind of okay. was still living in the glory days of being in like a late nineties, early two thousands metal band that never fully made it. So it was like, it was, we were always kind of under that shadow. Yeah. So we, the three of us actually on that tour five years ago realized it's time to get the fuck out of Iowa. Um, mm-hmm. So we, over the course of a couple years, like we moved up to Minneapolis and I moved up in 2017. And then that's where we, that's how we got to Careful Gaze is we were just like new city, Hunter Dumped us here is very hard to market and hard for people to like get the vibe of what our music is. Mm-hmm. So we're going to re- rename it Careful Gaze. Yeah. That, that same venue we were on tour put us on the marquee as band with too damn long of name. That was how they promoted the show. And like, not even our real in name. In a world where the world is is like a super popular. <laughs> yeah, <world>. super popular. <laughs> Album of the like year. TWIABP. Blah, 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 blah. No, <laughs> yeah. They, they were then too. That was like 2016. Yeah, and they, they, they were, were like they'd already popped off. Right. So I, I it was just offensive. <laughs> <laughs> that that is a little salty, but also like I can empathize with like venue staff sometimes. I'm like. I'm sure. I'm sure you're just stressed and tired, and it's yep. just like a Tuesday night for you, so exactly. you don't really care. But exactly. I was like, "Come on, man! <laughs> you were probably like the third band that had just too long of a name for that guy." Four like, whole I, words. Not Turns out, this. the yeah. world is a beautiful Four place. Words. Had just played there the night before, and they're like, "What is this shit? Why is why are we getting all the long? Who's man? our booking guy? Yeah. We to talk to him. Um, two words or less. I don't like these emos. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that actually kind of very nicely segues. Um, 
So you had a couple releases under that under Hunter Dumptives here. Just that was active for a little while. Um, moved up to Minneapolis, and in August of 2018 was at least, at least as far as I know, unless there's any releases that have been even more buried than a lot of the Hunter Dumptives here stuff. Um, the first releases uh, from Careful Gates was the double single yep. uh, Wolf and Grade. One new song, one re-recorded. If I'm yeah. not. Uh, mistaken wow. old hundred really dumpsters. Did your research? I, I listened to both. <laughs> back and forth, I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, this is definitely re-recorded." <laughs> um, so I'm curious. Just um, you're starting off with what was an old song, and it seems like maybe we can talk about this a little bit more. But was the only song at least I could see um, that was salvaged from a hundred dumpsters here, and at least was like re-intended, uh, repurposed as a careful gaze song, and also just. I always love it when bands do like the old school kind of like A side B side single, mm-hmm. and especially for a debut release, that's kind of cool. So I was just kind of curious what's was going through your heads with that. Um, what was the timeline for writing Wolf? Since that was, at least correct me if I'm wrong again, the first new Careful Gaze song, like the first officially like this is just Careful Gaze, um, release wise at least. Um, and just talk a little bit about putting that out. Um, we don't have to spend too much time on it since y'all have been rather prolific and we have a lot to go over. But I'm still <laughs> very curious to kind of keep going with the origins yeah basically grade was something i wrote in a really weird time where i lived up here and preston maybe lived up here or was like just moving i think i was just moving up here um and we still had that drummer that hated touring in the band mm-hmm. and um that so i this is when we were still hunter dumpters here but this is how grade came about and then uh aslan was still in iowa so i kind of put grade together myself mm-hmm. um just did everything on it and that was like the first song where that had been the case so i wanted to i just had preston come over at some point and i said just lay down guitar tracks and he just laid down like two beautiful complimentary guitar tracks panned left and right and was like sweet so i wanted to tr- give that one some new life and actually give it a little bit more of like the careful gaze vibe, which was just like a little Mm -hmm. bit more aggressive. Um, So that's why we included it as part of the double single release for careful gazes debut. And then um, Wolf, I believe we wrote in like apartments and bedrooms, Preston and I mostly. I, so I remember originally jamming Wolf in your parents' basement. Oh yeah, you're right. still lived in Iowa Mm -hmm. with that said old drummer. And you had, a completely different spread of lyrics for that entire song. That's the one thing about Gabe. Always has lyrics. I don't understand it, and they're always great. I've got a drive folder. Um, <laughs> and so... Spoken like a modern man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember I remember us like writing that song together in your parents' basement, and I just wanted to sound like Under Oath. And that was my that was my that was my take at Under Oath, and yeah. it did not work. Well, it kind of the breakdown is definitely just something straight out of Define the Great Line. But. Yeah, <laughs> I was listening to a lot of Define the Great Line when I was like, "Huh, weird chords," and then dissonance. Yeah, and then you moved, and then I moved, and we didn't record drums with that old drummer. And then I remember recording all the guitars for it in my third story apartment with my combo amp set between zero and one to not disturb the neighbors who I would be okay disturbing now <laughs> and like a little like SM57 mic in front of it just yep. recording the quietest guitars of all time and then also doing my vocals in that same apartment yeah that was a weird one there's also a lot of uh, reverb on my vocals and it's mostly because I didn't 
you it was like me screaming into I think a I think an SM58 um with no booth like mm-hmm. no not even like a pop filter I don't think and so I was like fairly far back from it too mm-hmm. um so it was it was very raw like and then we sent it to uh so one of our friends to mix it and I'm sure he was just like this is stupid <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's how those came about and we shot a video for it and that was like our first careful gaze song that we shot like a nice video for yeah starting off with the videos right away because there's been a handful Mm -hmm. um yeah just continuing on so far this is your only album but you two will rest 2019 um we'll get more into other album stuff later but uh briefly since that's the full the only full length the longest release you guys have done the most like i guess quote-unquote official and by default of how like marketing works and like how streaming services work it's the thing that kind of people it throws at people a lot of times unless there's like a new single um so just love to hear a little bit of just what was the writing and recording process like that since you were something all in minneapolis by that point um careful gaze kind of was a little bit more solidified and you knew hopefully what you were doing (laughs) as much as one can know and um i'm also curious just a few years on how do you view that album now um just if you were to pull it up right now and listen to it or listen to it sometime now like what would your perspective be and preston hates it now i i don't i don't hate it oh compared to what we've put out now it doesn't sound good in my opinion but that's fair <laughs> that like i also went back and like because we're playing some songs off of it for an upcoming show and i went back and listened to them i was like okay like these aren't i was i was being way too overcritical about myself for two seconds here but there's some points where i'm like I, you always look back and you're like, I wish I could have done this better. Yeah. I wish I did this differently. You can, you can recognize growth while still <laughs> yeah. appreciating what was there. And and so I don't hate it. I just don't put it on daily to listen to. A lot of those songs had very, very small beginnings. Like I, I think of that album as mostly being written in the basement of a family, my family's house that we were staying with when we moved up here. Um, we just had like one, one room in a basement so it was a very just like isolated writing experience a lot of them were written on just like unplugged electric guitars just me and me and vocals like highway sideways the opening track is is that and uh highway sideways actually has a a sample of the hunter dumped us here song that says keep me safe under your careful gaze and like that's that's how it kicks off and that's why that's in there and that's where obviously the band name came from so that's like a cool i like it because it's kind of like a goodbye to that era and like ushering in this new era officially i guess um i look back on that album really fondly i think for what we for our situation at the time it turned out probably as good as it could have um because aslan actually still hadn't quite moved up yet so it was very like we didn't record it together it was like me tracking bass and then preston and i kind of being together for guitar aslan doing guitar mostly on his own a little bit with me there and then me and preston doing vocals um so yeah it was it was very we hadn't demoed anything out. We we had like maybe played them. I think we had played them in a room and practiced most of them, but we hadn't demoed anything out. So like we were still figuring out what we were doing as we went mm-hmm. um, and sent it out to California to a, a guy named Roger Camaro, um, who's done a lot of hardcore and sort of adjacent genres out there. And he made it sound great. Um, I remember just like listening to the first mix of Highway Sideways at like, 6 30 a.m getting up for work one time being like there is a fuck ton of delay on these vocals but otherwise <laughs> this sounds really cool and i'm really stoked on this album. <laughs> and so we had them take the delay off and yeah 
so overall i look at it very fondly um especially like i mean it's got there were songs that will just always be really special to me like rainbows off of it and and highway sideways like Mm -hmm. those are just really special songs um so yeah that's i think it's a a really solid album for what we were doing at the time Um, you have anything to add aslan i'm just kind of echoing like yeah it was uh i mean that 20 the year leading up to that was probably the worst year of my life and uh i was embroiled in a whole bunch of stuff back Mm -hmm. in iowa and um the yeah it was definitely we we overcame as much of the obstacle as many of the obstacles that we could um and yeah i agree it came out with with as good of a product as we could um there are definitely stuff there is definitely stuff i would change but Hey, that's. I feel like that's just the case of being a musician, right? Mm-hmm. Listening yeah. to stuff you worked on previously, you're like, oh, I wish I could have done that take differently or changed this here or there. And you can, but you don't. You really can't. Yeah, I mean, you it's can be the there. band that like re- remasters and re- re-releases your stuff every five years, but that's that's not the band I want to be. <laughs> Nirvana, we see. <laughs> Somebody should cancel these guys. Um, <laughs> I. <laughs> I am uh I am really thankful though that like I th- I think the stories in that um the stories that are told in that in that record are are still they still stand up and are and and carry a lot of emotional weight um especially rainbows just because it seemed to resonate with so many people yeah. um and we've talked about it before but it it kind of resonated with all all of us as well in in our personal lives and it was just like a very cathartic song kind of unifying like Mm -hmm. the band members with a lot of listeners yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. um just to get you involved involved bailey i'm curious since you were not present for those for those days of the band oh i was just not in the band oh (laughs) yeah we were we were playing shows with your old band i went to the album release party okay Um, yep you did cadence Cadence records and coffee i went to the show as well yeah yep i drove four and a half hours from rural wisconsin to get back from a wedding to go to that show (laughs) thanks buddy appreciate it thank you appreciate the support good set (laughs) 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 said so disingenuously like great set guys (laughs) no um i my one of my old bands played at the garage with them and we were like, I'd, I'd heard of Hunter Dumps this year, but like had never listened to the music and had never listened to Careful Gaze. And um, you guys played right after us. And I remember we played we played a set and we packed up and got off stage and I walked out and watched you guys and went, holy shit. Like we are just getting shown up like crazy right now. And I know you guys view that show a lot differently, but of that all that all that has to say is man what kind of set did i play that night was that the um, two-day tour that we got laminates for no that was the um that was the mini sconson tour oh yeah we got laminates <laughs> yeah, I, oh. I wasn't i i didn't play that oh I it was a different it, garage oh. show um no that was that correlations comeback oh, oh yeah. okay yep um but yeah and then i i got pretty hooked on the band i followed you guys you only had wolf and grayed out i'm pretty sure yeah yeah somehow i heard most of that album before it came out it was probably through a, a certain somebody but um yeah no i've been a fan yeah. for a while cool uh well i guess we can keep on going um my introduction to the band what came after that with um the 
string of singles y'all put out in 2020. Oh, nice. Starting with goals. That was, I think I'd probably been like tangentially aware, just kind of like seeing your name floating around, but that was at least the first song that I remember listening to. And I don't remember if I wrote about goals or thrones, but I think I wrote about one of the two and that mm-hmm. was at least my introduction. Um, so there's goals, thrones and sunrooms put out um, pretty much month after month almost. Um, and those last three songs with the band's old drummer, um, what was kind of like the timeline for writing those songs and kind of putting those out? I know we talked a little bit about that or emailed about that a little bit with uh, the q and I did with Gabe a little while ago or like a year ago now um, about the EP that you released at the end of 2020 and we'll get a little bit more into that. So we don't forget as in depth because if you really want to know, you can just read the freaking article, losers. Yeah. Read the blog. Support. Why do you think we don't blog anymore? <laughs> uh, getting a little real there, but um, not to distract from the actual topic at hand. Uh, yeah, just talk a little bit about those three singles. And When I Leave is kind of, I at least group that in with there, but yeah. that's a little bit different. And I have some separate questions for that. So I'll get cool. a little ahead of myself. But yeah, say what you want to say about those three. I'm curious where y'all were at with that and just kind of shifting from being a quartet to a, just a, they said, for sure trio at the time um and just kind of putting out single after single for about a year i yeah because what what was it goals first yes and yeah like those were those are really fun to record just because like those were like recorded in our practice space i think most of it yeah you had you had just gotten your kemper yeah pretty recently and we were all like we were like, yes, complete control over tone. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Tone city. <laughs> but, but yeah, like I remember I the recording process for all of that was fun. Like just sitting in a very cold practice space, just recording. Did you guys record all of them in like a bunch or did you record them all separately as you released them? Um, hey now, don't do my job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. No, that's a good question. No. <laughs> I think, did we? I, we bunched them. Yeah, did we bunch okay. them? We yeah. had our second, like our first drummer is Careful Gaze, second drummer for what we do. Um, Jason, he recorded all drums at once. And then, yeah, we we did guitars, bass, and vocals. Yeah, and I, I think I think, at least for me, you can tell when like, everyone in the band is at the recording when mm-hmm. I listen back to it. Okay. Because when I listen to the album, I can personally tell that like not all of us were there to like maybe throw out ideas mm-hmm. or like give input on some parts. And with these singles, like I feel the same way because there's some guitar parts that I'm sure Jason would have had input on or some drum parts that like we just weren't there together as like a group to like work together on it. So like going back like there's yeah like yeah whatever um but no like those were really fun to record um i like i don't honestly i don't remember a lot of the recording process with those which is really weird i just remember sitting in the practice space for a lot of hours being very cold recording them but like beyond that i don't remember any like anything outside of that memory it was basically us being like holy shit we are in a lot of debt from creating a full-length album yeah. that really didn't make very much return um at least at that point i mean and still it hasn't that much but anyway we were like we can really only afford to like self-record a few singles and put them out you know periodically like over, over the course of 2020 go somewhere and record like a longer a longer <laughs> yeah. release yeah and that was the plan before obviously we this was like late 2019 so we didn't know 
anything about what was to come for 2020. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was the plan still, and it ended up working out pretty well just it, with the way that that was going to be able to like continue to pump out content. Yeah. Um, I just remember like listening to goals in the car a bunch of times with Aslan before a show and just being like, this is, this is a good vibe. Like this one, this one's got something special to it. That's yeah. That's, I guess all I have to say about those three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, as I hinted at, there was a fourth single put on in August when I leave. Um, if it had just been released on, it own, on its own, it I feel like much more naturally would have just been like, oh yeah, it's just another single they're putting out. But in this case, um, it's a little bit more of a multimedia idea where um, I actually just picked up, I've not had a chance to read it, but just got a copy of a short novel and a, kind of an exercise in um, writing the song and then also writing uh, prose or something more like prose like at least um and at least according to the band camp it said it was just gonna be released yearly chapter by chapter um Whoops. where did that <laughs> idea come from because that's just obviously a very ambitious idea um you don't like the only time you hear about bands putting out books it's like when it's like the 50th anniversary box set or something instead of like yeah we've put out like 20 songs total and now this one just gets a book um and also just as a way of writing like did that was that a completely different like mindset for you, like at least writing lyrically? And I don't know how or if at all uh, the fiction writing was divvied for the novel um, or if it was primarily Gabe. Um, just talk a little bit about the writing of that because at least just completely different sections of the brain, I guess, when you're writing like just words and words and words or words that you have to sing and want to sing. Yeah. Um, and also just what's the status of that? I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Um, since I just... I mean, I'm a sucker for books. I don't know. That's a kind of normal thing to say, but I'm at least intrigued. Uh, so I'd love to hear some more about that. We, in the beginning of shutdown, when it still very much felt like it was weird to go out at all, you know, um, it was weird to see other humans. I had already committed to a challenge of running every day in 2020. So I would go out and run a lot on trails because since I wouldn't go to gyms and I was running by some people that just, it was really just like out of a horror movie. Like you'd run, you'd just run by and like you'd both lock eyes and just have this really like uncomfortable stare between each other and then like just move on your separate lives and ran by this big power plant um, out by the river. And it just, it was like a seven mile run. And I remember just like all of these ideas just like flooding to me Mm -hmm. Um, so I, yeah, came up with the concept about this basically just like if that feeling that you had in that moment was just in a town, like embodied in a town, like weird transients, like seeing another person, you're like, ah, we're both alive. And then you have to like, just keep on going and never see each other. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. If that, if that was in a town, I was like, I want to write about somebody basically trying to get out of that town. Mm. And like, like most of my music, there's definitely personal influence in there with, with the lyrics like that allude to stuff I dealt with in my life. Um, But it's also fiction too at the same time. So when I leave is basically the story of someone trying to get out of that town, um, but then stumbling on basically all of these things that make it very hard for them to leave with their life. Mm -hmm. Um, So we, I wrote the book and then wrote the lyrics that are kind of like a summary of the story. Yeah. And then sent it to, Aslan and Preston and 
they liked it. So we decided to put it out. Um, it was a really weird thing to do just because, yeah, bands don't normally write books, like you said. <laughs> um, but a decent amount of people bought it, which yeah. is cool. Um, there were like five copies left out of however many. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've done like one reorder. We've kept it like fairly small. Second orders. print. <laughs> Second print. Um, going then, big time. <laughs> And like the song in and of itself, I do like the song. I don't think it's like one of our greatest Mm -hmm. songs, but I do think that it's like a nice little just sort of like post-rock jam. Um, We might bring it, bring it out live sometime just, just because, because it's got a good vibe to it. But um, yeah, I, with, as far as like the status of the sequel in, at that time, I was like, I don't know how long shut down and, and like the main really, part of the pandemic where you cannot do anything. I don't yeah. know how long this is going to continue. So I'm just going to plan to keep writing this. And then things have opened back up a little bit in 21 and we got a lot busier. So mm-hmm. I haven't finished um, the sequel. So it's going to be 2022 probably, okay. but I am writing it. And I basically, when I leave was sort of like a, a test and um, the sequel you will see is more like a full book it's it's okay. it's longer it's in a different like when i leave is written first person present tense and you will see is written much more like a traditional book like third person past tense okay um and just putting a lot of time into it and and upping the the horror factor quite yeah. a bit too from the first I, one. I think that justifies the non-yearly basis like the, the, yeah. the, the delays since it's just a much more cumulative work try to um, make it worth it you know yeah. yeah cool um i don't know if you two had anything to add to that that kind of like summarized and answered my questions or wonderings on the matter. Gabe, Gabe's definitely the um, uh, the majority of the like core creative force behind the band and in, in most of the endeavors. Fair, I'd agree. Yeah, yeah. I just I just play guitar on it. <laughs> I play bass. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I feel when I just like I watch like Dylan or Jared in our band just sit there. Right, I'm just like not even holding my saxophone, just like. Mm. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Maybe you'll get me sheet music next time. <laughs> oh, I need tabs. Oh, I need tabs. The last thing I'll say about when I leave is that Preston and I hiked out to kind of the middle of nowhere in the woods to shoot uh, a video of just me singing it, and we forgot to bring bug spray. So oh, I just got no. fucking demolished by mosquitoes <laughs> the entire time. And we looked at it. I was like, I can't use this. Like, I'm too busy. Like, I was trying to be so casual, but I'd be like, my baby, no. And just slap my leg. <laughs> I was like, I can't use this. It's almost like a, like a comedy. It's like an SNL sketch <laughs> <Yeah>. or something. <laughs> so we ended up having to completely scrap this, like, beautiful footage of this really green area and just shoot it, like, in, in my hallway with, like, a black sheet in the background. So that's what the the lyric like video for that DIY was. DIY or die, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, we'll kind of skip over this one because, like I mentioned, there's a, a full Q and A about this release. Uh, your December EP, Loud yeah, go read Howl's that. The Eternal Wolf. Um, get a lot more in depth about the inspirations, because um, at least the title and kind of some of the core creative ideas were inspired by a William Blake poem, and then um, also just a lot of the unrest happening over summer 2020. Um, that's when it was written, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, you also had the collab with uh, ear coffee favorites rot with errol doing guest vocals yeah um that song still kicks my ass <laughs> so shout out that one um but um then kind of going past that there's the 2020 compilation which came out shortly after that um it's just kind of everything you've put out in 2020 plus the main thing i want to ask about here just briefly 
are the remixes which um originated from your Patreon. Yes. Um, so I'm curious with just the idea of the compilation because another thing that not most bands that aren't like in full like reissue mode or like they've been around for like 25 years um is rare to see a compilation like that and also just putting those remixes of those older songs those really old songs at the time um what was kind of the decision making process around that since again yet another just unique thing that not a lot of bands are doing with those is that we had changed you know how much songs change when you play them live from when you've never played them live before and you're just writing them Mm -hmm. um and so we had changed how we had done uh, Cavendish, which is originally a Hunter Dumptus here song, and also um, Grade. We had changed those so much. We wanted to do like final versions of them. So mm-hmm. just really to record it like we play it live and then sort of put them to rest. Um, yeah. And a lot of the people that are in our Patreon are people that saw us when we played up in Minnesota as Hunter Dumped us here and like have been fans of us ever since. Yeah. So real heads. Yeah. <laughs> so we wanted to do something as kind of like a tribute to that and sort of like a nod to them. Um, And we were, that was very much like Preston Aslan and I were just pumping out content like crazy for the Patreon every month. And Mm -hmm. we decided to include those on there just to also sort of give the chance to anybody who wasn't on the Patreon to be able to pick those up. Also just a little bit of free advertising. Like, Hey, if you like these reduxes, guess what we've got going on Mm -hmm. every month. And Uh, it felt nice (laughs) to be able to be like, okay, we've recorded these this way and now we can kind of close that chapter. Mm-hmm. Like we probably won't play greater Cavendish again, unless it's like a very special situation, yeah, like a very unique situation. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. That answers that. Um, now we're getting to at least a little bit more recent stuff. Um, you've put out two singles recently, um, really somewhat recently. Uh, the next dark, uh, next dark dawn came out in June and then cold spring came out just about a few weeks ago. Um, but with next dark next dark dawn, I don't know why I can't say that. Um, there were some lineup changes around that time. That's about when Bailey joined, if I'm not mistaken. So, mm-hmm. um, just talk a little bit about the process leading up to that song, and then the very brief kind of lineup shift where um, you had a member join in June alongside Bailey and Anna, and then they left a few months later. Um, if that's like a sensitive thing, we don't have to talk about it. But I'm just curious, just with that little bit of shifting there around the time of that single. Uh, just where was the band at in uh, early, uh, late spring, early summer of 2021? And uh, finally getting the fourth member back. Yeah. At least now, temporarily fifth, but now fourth. <laughs> <laughs> Next Dark Dawn is really special to me. Um, and I think to like all three, all three, Aslan, Preston and I, in the way of um, we wrote that just like in our practice space, like a bunch of other songs that we have coming up that we're using. Um and just, yeah, we'd go hang out in the middle of winter on like a Tuesday night until 11 p.m. and just jam me on drums and vocals and guitar bass. So Next Dark Dawn was the last thing we recorded as a trio. Okay. Um, the three of us and I tracked drums for it and vocals and then Preston handled all like 25 of the guitar tracks on it and then <laughs> uh, Aslan handled the bass. And yeah, we recorded it with... Uh, Chad Hellman's Black Apple Studios in Minneapolis. He did a great job on it. Yeah, that was, um, it was a great experience. Yeah. yeah. And then we basically released that like right after uh, Bailey and Anna joined the band. Anna, okay. Yeah. yeah. So that was the last one we did on our own, but released it after we were a five piece. And are we talking about just next Dark Dawn right now or are we talking about Cold Spring too? I forget. Uh, we can get into both because they're at least just some 2021 singles. Yeah. I mean, there was a month gap in between do you guys have anything to add for next dark dawn or even bailey 
considering that now you it's only been played live with Bailey. Mm-hmm. That was kind of your guys's like final hoorah as a three piece. At least yeah. that's how I saw it. Yeah, that, that was kind of like my when we talked about going into like a studio to record it because we wanted to do it like in a studio, do it a little bit less like ourselves, like we'd done with the EP. Like it was like a very bittersweet moment for me because I it makes it sound bad that people are joining, but like it was like. <laughs> It was, losers there was, <laughs> it was like a year and a half time of just the three of yeah, us. Like yeah, like a year and a half of just the three of us. We would just like, I think like we as people and friends like grew very closely together and like recording the EP in like living rooms and basements and then like going to our practice space like sometimes twice a week mm-hmm. and being there for like four and a half hours just like. I mean, we wrote probably what thirty-five songs over that period. Probably, yeah. yeah. Like we, like we wrote so many songs together that, like the, to, it, th- what this entity, Careful Gaze, needs to expand in members to like fully do what it, what I think it can do. Mm-hmm. But like, there was like a, there was like a sadness about it when I was like, this is a moment of transformation. Yeah, like, like, moment of passing. Yeah. It's just you, you accept the fact that like, oh, this is just something that's changing and you appreciate what once was without like completely discrediting exactly, what yeah. was coming on. And so like the recording Next Dark Dawn was very much like, this is the the final hoorah for the three of us. And then after this, like things are changing. New chapter, yeah. Like new chapter, like new beginnings are good, but also like I'm going to miss what this is. Mm-hmm. Like- and so, like, it was like recording Next Arc Dawn in a way for me was like very bittersweet and exciting because it was like, all right, like, I'm sad that this is ending, but also like stoked that we're changing and growing and evolving as, as a band. My favorite fact about Next Dark Dawn is just that uh, there's a like bass guitar hybrid on it. Um, oh, yeah. We're just at the studio and the, and the engineer's like, oh, hey, Preston, go, go grab this. And was it a squire? It was, was no Schechter baritone. Yeah, it, but well, it was a Schechter bass. Six. Oh yeah, Schechter so it was six. like not just a baritone where it's like lower. It was like a full octave down from a oh. guitar scale. Um, so Preston literally in like ten minutes just writes like three different parts with that and just tracks them. Um, so next Dark Dawn not really being like anything close to our heaviest song. It's funny because it's got like technically our lowest range guitar ever on recording. <laughs> and also, when, when the bass drop hits, also live, has a bass drop. Oh my it, god! Yeah. <laughs> at the moment, it is the only song that has a bass drop, and at least in the live set, it it's slaps. Definitely one of my favorite songs to play live too. So a live slapper. <laughs> when, when we play it live, I'm just like the the energy of it just feels fits so right. Um, and yeah, so like right around that time we did auditions, um, Bailey and Anna joined the band. Bailey, somebody that we had known for a long time yeah. um, through the music scene and stuff and was always like a huge supporter. And I've always, we've always dug everything he's done. So that was super cool. Yeah. Um, and then Anna, we didn't know as well. And that was just, it just simply didn't work out. Um, yeah. Just like mutually kind of on both sides, it just didn't work. And we, we all really wanted it to, and it yeah. didn't. And That's we how it goes. have a lot of respect for her and, um, are sad that it didn't, but yeah, we, we decided to just for now move forward as a four piece and just work with fill-ins until, cause I'm sure, you know, it's being in a part of like, how many people are in your band? <sighs> the worst question. Yeah. Seven. <laughs> Seven. Okay. So oh, man. being in a, in a part of like a larger group like that, I'm sure 
you all know how it's like it can be really hard to know if somebody if it's going to work until you've actually spent like a significant amount of time mm-hmm. with people like live and and just like playing um and drummers have always been the hardest thing for us like and i know a yeah. lot of people <laughs> a lot of people say you know like oh fuck drummers and you know like i don't necessarily feel like it's inherently the position of a drummer i feel like it's just really a lot of drummers are spread so thin right yeah. like like the fill in that we've got right now is in like five bands our um, actual drummers in three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the drummer's curse. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's looking for a drummer. Yeah. So th- that, there's only like two in the cities apparently. <laughs> right. And and I think that's, you know, the, the type of thing that we ran into this last time is like, if you find a drummer, it's a question of, are they like equipped to play your specific style? And we're really mm-hmm. weird. Cause we're like sort of emo indie, but also like have fucking breakdowns and like, yeah. double bass and stuff Goes like that over the place yeah so it's very it's a very specific role of somebody that can yeah. read the room very well mm-hmm. it's a wide skill set that like is very like especially with drumming like like heavier drummers do not play the same as like a rock drummer that don't play the same as like a solo or an r&b drummer mm-hmm. and being yeah. able to pull from all those baskets and make it blend well like it's That's not, a, really not an difficult. easy task yeah yeah like speaking of someone who has never tried to play drums and cannot like that always just like blows my mind where it's just like there's so much like there's obviously like when any instrument's placed in a new context there's like a kind of mindset you can kind of get into and in a more traditional sense but like i feel like with drums given how foundational they are just to you know making most songs work um that's just always super impressive and blows my mind so it makes a lot of sense that it'd be hard to find someone who can really meet all of those needs and even like add their own like creative spin to it beyond just kind of like a functional role which Mm -hmm. is what you usually want from members of a creative organization right (laughs) there's there's so many things that really have to like kind of fall in place for for that to work Mm -hmm. um so I guess what I'm saying is if you're out there and you listen to a lot of uh, Arcade Fire and also a lot of uh, Kill Switch Engage and Dance Gavin Dance and you play drums, uh, please let us know. Carefulgaze.gmail.com. Yeah, DMs are open. DM the band. Yeah, please don't contact We don't need a drummer. Anyways, so the next song, Cold Spring, just came out about a month ago from when we're recording this. If I'm not mistaken, that's Bailey's first time on the track. So what was that like? Especially... Um, always giving you opportunities to talk just kind of leading up to when you were even in the band so now we've gotten there so I'm very interested in how did it feel to kind of come into this pre-existing entity and then create this new song with the trio and just how did that all work for all four of you um, just because it's like you were kind of saying before you just closed that era of the trio and we're stepping off into your the era we're kind of currently in um, not to like place you guys in eras before you've even like put out an album or anything um but yeah just curious to see what was the process for writing that song where your heads are at um with it and just because it's been about a month but it's still pretty fresh yeah um that it was really cool because as i had kind of said before like being in careful gaze was just kind of really exciting for me to begin with because i was a big fan coming Mm -hmm. into coming into joining and um it's funny because i actually do not play once on the single <laughs> oh but, don't. Okay. but i recorded it so i re- oh, like okay. i i i engineered the entire thing okay, and i guess okay. i did play i played the keys and yeah, like yeah. i wrote i wrote the credit, i wrote yeah. like you, you i midi parts and 
Yeah, I did. I did write stuff. Like it wasn't like I just was like, "You guys do it, and I'll record it." But I'll like set up the mics. <laughs> but I, mean, I, I kind of took an approach of like we. So we wrote it. I'm guessing which is normal for you guys is like at the practice space first, yeah. and then moving it on from there once you have a practice space recording. So we started with that and then brought it back to my little home studio. We demoed it out completely, added stuff, and then recorded it also in my home studio. Mm-hmm. So I it was it was a really weird time in life for me. So it was it was exciting because it was a very smooth process actually writing the music and getting it to fruition. Like the song was what three, four months when it got, it was like three, four months from inception when it got released. Right. Not lyrically. I know you had had those lyrics for a little while, but yeah, I want to say we started working on it in like May or June as a full band. Mm -hmm. I had done kind of a throwaway demo at the start of the year Mm -hmm. to send to Preston. Um, and then was like when they were playing it in the practice space, I was like, Oh, this kind of works with like these lyrics that I had written for this demo. And so then I just sort of, cut and paste them from my demo to that yeah yeah no it was a it was a really fun process and it was just it was nice because it was the first time ever that i had done something like in a more higher level musical sense that wasn't metal Mm -hmm. like i wasn't i wasn't playing breakdowns i wasn't recording screaming like Everything was very close to standard tuning, which is also <laughs> a lot different. It's a lot easier to tune guitars when they're closer to standard tuning. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was cool. It was nice because it gave me the ability to kind of settle into the band a little bit more. I got to see just how where everybody was. Like it sounds very like looking down upon, but like see where everyone was at as a musician and how they performed just and like to, like figure out how you. Like knowing your own skill set, like how can I fit in with this? Exactly. Instead of just kind of coming in either and having no idea or just coming in and just be like, yep, I'm shredding and just kind of steamrolled. I wanted to come in and um, take what they were already doing and just try to make it easier and kind of blow it up in a sense, mm-hmm. like give it a bigger, a bigger sound and a bigger feel and just add my own touch without directly being yeah, like overwhelming yeah the what people think of when they think careful gaze as much as one can kind of think of that because y'all have hardly stayed still yeah. <laughs> i mean heck it's been just about a half a year of me being in the band and we've written along with cold spring like six or seven new songs yeah just because there were ones you like we wanted to replace on the album mm-hmm. like you guys are nuts. <laughs> you guys write a lot of music. <laughs> this is not my it's not my normal uh my normal cruise, but yeah. I'm all about it. It's it's great. Early 2021 was like really really dark for me. Um so yeah, Cold Springs pretty um meaningful to me. I mean all of my songs like my lyrics and Careful Gaze are meaningful to me, I would say, but Cold Spring feel like it's just a very specific sort of like Mm -hmm. melancholy i guess from like a a lot of really dark moments that i had um and you know sort of that Mm -hmm. like constantly changing dynamic between like your loved ones and you and feeling like a failure and and being treated as such sometimes and um so i'm i'm really happy to have been able to put that song out and 
Uh, we got really lucky too on the video. Uh, Adam Foster Jacobs mm-hmm. was available. Like we realized, so we got our Seventh Street show done, and then realized like, okay, we want to have a video done by the end of this month, and we've done like no planning on it for Cold Spring because we've been so focused on yeah. not fucking up at Seventh Street entry <laughs> um, at our first show back. Uh, so we, I happened to just email Adam, and it worked out perfectly that like he had an opening. So went out in the woods, got some dancers that were super great, super talented. Um, and yeah, Preston dug me a grave and then we shot a, shot a video in like four hours and it turned out like it's my favorite video we've ever done. Um, so that worked out super well. Yeah. That's the joy and the stress of trying to plan music videos. Yeah. (laughs) We're like, well, we don't know what we're doing, but we're hopefully going to make it happen and it'll turn out all right. And it's always a good time when it does. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned already just like how many songs you wrote kind of during the winter as the trio and then have written or at least redone a handful of songs since Bailey's joined. Um, and you mentioned, Gabe, in our email exchange that you're looking at recording the next Careful Gaze full length sometime in early 2022. Obviously, nothing's locked in. Don't want to put words in your mouth and be like, yeah, it's coming out May 12th or like <laughs> uh, anything like that. But as much as you can, um, what's kind of been... Were a lot of these songs written during that period of the winter when you were just going to the practice space and just jamming and writing a lot? What was kind of the timeline for bulk of these songs? And as much as you can, don't want to spoil too much. Uh, what can you say about the overall direction of the album, even compared to something like Cold Spring, but especially compared to, I guess, the more substantive releases with the EP and the album that you've, the band has already put out? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We yeah. can kind of talk around it, but <laughs> curious still. <laughs> Drop B. Drop B. There were unironically, there were like eight songs in yeah, Drop B. Sorry. I I, I, tried, I tried to bring in an eight string and they all just kind of looked at me funny. So <laughs> I guess they don't want the eight string. I, you gotta get a 12 string. You gotta go bigger. Essentially, I'm just a dumbass and <laughs> like to buy a lot of guitars and Fair. then don't like so for a lot of all of our releases up until Cold Spring. They were in like standard drop D or like drop C guitar tuning. Next Dark Dawn, actually. Okay, next Dark. Mm. You say drop D, drop C. I thought you were saying drop D. No, Never drop mind. D. Don't listen. Yeah, to yeah, it. yeah. Because next Dark. Stop music theorists. Yeah, doesn't matter at this point. Nobody cares. But the one guy who cares is like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Preston, the one guy that cares is sitting across. The <laughs> we'll talk later, bud. Um, but Preston just got really into like. I wonder what I can write in this tuning and then ended up like writing like, yeah, like five or six songs in like drop B of all things. Mm. And it was really stupid and like way too ambitious of me because now we're not doing any of those songs in drop B because we're still doing the songs though. They're just yeah, we're, yeah, oh, but a couple like, of them. Yeah, They're just like, going up in tuning. Tunings mm. have, have changed. Like looking back, like, yeah, these, some of these songs have been there for like, eight months or something and like mm. things are changing about them already yeah. and we did like our first round of demos before bailey joined the band and i did all the guitars for those you moved in as you were recording like the last like five or six good yeah. like songs for that mm-hmm. or, yeah and if i remember correctly i think you remember correctly and which has been exciting to demo all that stuff and then we did like a, a round two of writing and wrote more songs for some reason. <laughs> but I Re, think rewrote they, a handful and yeah. then wrote a bunch of new ones as well. Mm-hmm. 
And, and then we're still writing because for whatever reason, we can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said, boys, it's time to take the alter bridge approach. I said, we need to write an excess of songs that we know we're not going to use and just see what comes out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Let's just like alter bridge. And our next album sounds like alter bridge. Um, it exactly. Is bridge. Yeah. We've exactly actually just become like alter bridge. They uh, are no longer in existence. <laughs> <laughs> we replaced them <laughs> but uh no we we wrote yeah like basically 20 songs um with the intention of not using all of them obviously mm -hmm. just to like i felt like it was really freeing because a lot of times i feel like when we've only ever written the exact amount that we need for a release and then it always feels like this massive pressure of like okay we got to get everything figured out on this as we're writing it and with writing that many, you don't have the time to do that. So mm -hmm. it's more like, okay, we're going to get this like 85% of the way there and then come back to it and see how it shakes out after that. Mm -hmm. So we did that. We had a process of elimination. And then once we ended up with like the songs that we felt like were the best, we kind of realized what the direction was. And so that's why we redid some of them differently to fit a little bit more and then like rewrote a couple. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we're going to record it in February and then just see we're going to have the same person that mixed U2 Arrest and Cold Spring mix it. Um, and then Roger. Roger Camaro. Hell yeah. Thank you for your time, Roger. You, Roger. And uh, we worship you, Roger. And then we're going <laughs> to... <laughs> we, have, we have a Roger shrine in the studio just in the corner. <laughs> yeah. No, we're going we're gonna to see if we can try to hopefully, you know, maybe find a label that would want to pick it up. But who knows? Who knows? Yeah, who really knows? But skewing our DIY roots, we're just <laughs> spitting on them, going the label route. Yeah, fueled by ramen. Um, <laughs> the uh, the the general direction. I feel like it's always funny to hear bands because I feel like every band, no band, is ever like, yeah, kind of more laid back approach this time. You know, just like it's you always like it? it's fucking heavier and darker and gritty but that's kind of it we're covered in mud yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's kind of just like a lot darker mm. a lot more emotional than anything we've done and a lot more i would say like cohesively one sort of like uh assault like musical assault like just onslaught of sound and it's going to be just i think we talked about in loud howls uh the interview of like trying to make things just sound really big mm -hmm. and like cinematic yep. and it's basically like if we had that at like nine for loud howls like trying to put it on 10 or 11 for yeah, go, just go to 11 Let's the go next 11. thing go yeah 11. it's see, coming having heard the songs originally from more of a fan's perspective it seems like a natural evolution mm -hmm. like you guys like the band is still very much feeding off of whatever energy has been there since the beginning and it's just not nothing seems as if it's not supposed to be there it's just being refined mm -hmm. that's I can argue arguably what you want from yeah, most absolutely. Is, is as a musician and also usually as a listener, but listeners are more confusing and stupid than that sometimes. They're like, go back, <laughs> go back to the old stuff. It's like, oh, no, that, that's not. Play Cavendish. Yeah. The only feature we have planned for it is a rap feature too, and I'm super stoked oh, about boy. that. Yeah. Yeah. And the song that it's featuring on. Oh, yes. You would not oh, yes. like, like I, because we finished the demo of it. And I was listening back to it and I was like, this is our shortest song. Like, oh, like it is the shortest song probably. To date. It's like one of date. the shortest to date, unless you guys have interlude songs that I've never heard. Yeah, it's only it. like eight minutes long. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's <Yeah. only> like, 
It's like two what minutes. Every drone artist. Yeah. This song's like eight minutes of 26. This is a single. Yeah. yeah. It's just on the banger. Smell. It's going to get radio play. Just like two notes. Just <laughs> but, but yeah, it's like the, it's like the song I would not expect because it's, it's very like, like Gabe was saying, like it like musically kind of assaults you right from the beginning with how everything starts and goes. Mm-hmm. And, and to like hear what the, person featuring will like be doing their feature over it's just like this is some easy core shit what the fuck <laughs> I, I loved it because at first you guys were like oh is it, like we do we have to add like it's a little too short like it seems really short i'm like it's perfect <laughs> it's perfect <laughs> it's beautiful stay tuned for that i guess that'll be very interesting to hear whenever we get there uh by we i mean you i'm not in the band um, you want a drum? Yeah, I was like, yeah. yeah we got <laughs> need that drummer. Uh, I did mention that I've never drummed before. But, uh, <laughs> we have a drum set. Yeah, well, that's a good first step. <laughs> Usually, you want that if you're trying to drum. Um, that kind of summarizes all my questions about music. But um, there aren't as many bands that I've talked to that have done as much for like online engagement in ways that are more than just uh, the occasion. Like some bands have been really heavy into TikTok. Um, and that's worked great. And uh, that's just a huge avenue that you guys have kind of taken advantage of them in a different way um, where it's like some behind the scenes stuff. Some just kind of jokes that people don't think are jokes and then oh, they get yeah. mad at. And then those of us that know that are jokes like, oh, guys, learn how to read. And then Loudwire um, comments and you're like, Loudwire, why are you watching our TikToks? <laughs> Sign my band. Sign my band, cowards. Our, our <laughs> cowards. Um, our, our TikTok is... Pretty much Gabe's personal shit posting page. I fucking love it. Yeah, it's, and it's it's, really it's fantastic. Um, and more so than I think any other band has just like Joe sent me your TikToks and been like, "This is a good one." And I'm like, "Hey, thanks, Joe." Yeah. <laughs> I got you. Shout out, <laughs> shout out the fans producing um, the podcast yeah, and promoting my TikToks. Hell yeah! Yeah, where's that producer? Just to Mike? the other person in your coffee, just like yeah. I'll share this to one person <laughs> who's already seen it. <laughs> um, so there's that, but then also. Um, you've been doing Patreon for quite a while. Um, mm-hmm. I think November 2020 is roughly yep. when it started. I don't know if my webpage was just glitching out because I would get down to November and then try to keep scrolling and it would let me keep scrolling, but then it would just like end up at the same place in November. I'm like, I think this is just the end. But yeah, that was um, the, the end or the beginning, um, so to speak. Yeah, so I, I guess asking about that because it's been a lot of like behind the scenes stuff. We've already kind of talked about how there were some remixes or reworkings of older songs that, either haven't seen a lot of day and a few that have um, a lot of the covers you've done. I think the only there's the Christmas one, I think. And then there's the death cab cover. Did yeah. Those both start on the Patreon. Um, they both were premiered early, but those, okay. those were both things that um, I prepared as like, I actually want to release these as, as full release. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but there's just a whole lot of different content um, on there, not to use the forbidden C word, <laughs> but um, how did you first kind of, decide either whether it was just you gabe since i know like at least you were kind of spearheading the tiktok that sounds like at least the patreon's a little bit more everybody's involved um how did you first decide to launch the patreon and just become really active on it and uh how have you been able to like brainstorm different ideas instead of just doing like well this week we'll do a cover Mm -hmm. two weeks later we'll do a different cover and like just keeping fresh ideas and also just without completely overextending yourselves because there's no, we, we completely overextended ourselves. It was, Fair enough. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot. So I remember how the Patreon thing started was we were sitting in Gabe and Aslan's living room at the time. 
and we're talking about like, what can we do as a band to like, like, what are some good ideas to a, like bring in some money because shows aren't happening. And like, it'd be nice to like have some sort of financial income it's coming a in a little bit <laughs> besides like us just throwing our day job money into this, like, which is to be expected. Or like a band camp Friday where like someone buys a record. Like, yeah. Oh, like, hell yeah. Five yeah. bucks. And like, this I remember Friday band camp is giving me all the money from, <laughs> from your purchases. Yeah. And so <laughs> I remember Aslan being like, I don't know what it was, but you're basically just kind of like, if we make up a list of 50 ideas, 50 100, bad, 100, 100. 100 bad ideas, there will be inevitably some good ideas within those 100. At least some like actionable yes, ideas. Yeah, some <laughs> like actual, like maybe that's not such a bad idea, but because you wouldn't have never suggested it because you're literally just trying to sit here and be all like, what are some just like intentional, just shitty ideas that we could like, like, what is this? And there was a lot of ideas, but I do remember Aslan being like, I think you were like, what about a Patreon? And then we talked about a Patreon for a bit. Gabe, did you just pull up a he, list? He pulled up part of a list. Running podcast tattoos for donations, any guest spot for donations, set up a cameo account, weekly stream nights on Twitch, pay to hang out with the band, slice of life vlog, survival horror drama podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there's just some like utter shit. It's there's like, just so many. And then there's one that there's like, there's long and there's like collabs with other artists for covers, Patreon specific live streams. Uh, and then just tabs. <laughs> I did. I did forget. You're like I, st- I still oh. think pay to hang out with the band is the funniest <laughs> one. Like, the give funniest. me ten bucks and I'll make you a pizza in my house. <laughs> like, the best one on here is lewd calendar. And that, <laughs> that was that was where we stopped. I think that's a good point. We're like we've gone far enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who, who who's actually gonna who will buy this? We don't know. <laughs> I just we just don't know if there's a market for we don't know lewd par- post hardcore <laughs> yeah. calendars. That, Maybe that. you could be real real uh, game changers. Yeah, pioneers. Pioneers. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. All Show right. up to our merch table. It's just my ass on the cover. Yeah. Gabe, Gabe's <laughs> this is ass only fans, but it's just like death cab covers only, yeah. and then like, but like you're not like you were just wearing really short pants and no shirts or something. <laughs> like it's yeah. it's covers, but they're hot. Like oh, I paid six dollars for this. <laughs> Shoot. But yeah, I, I feel like Aslan was mostly responsible for the Patreon, but we all really just for the concepts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We we just all just kind of hit the ground running with it. Anything from like Paramore covers to the chariot covers to um doing a lot of podcast episodes of our own right up mm-hmm. front. And now it's kind of like because again, our lives have all changed quite a bit from when we were still in shutdown mode. It's changed to more like I'm doing interviews with other local musicians. Like I just did okay, nice. And then um, Nick from Bokeh. Um, yeah, I saw the Bokeh one, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's changed over time. We have a Discord though. The community in there is really cool. Just like be able to talk about so many unrelated to our band stuff, which is yeah. what I like. That's um, the best part of like yeah. Discords that you like either like are run by like a label or like you have to like pay into for like a Patreon or something. Yeah. 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 And I just, I just checked the Patreon and it, somehow we put out 110 uh, posts like Patreon only content posts in the last what since November so, yeah. so a year and like no shade wow. so it's a lot no of shade, content <laughs> but I've been on Patreons before where it's like I'll, it'll go like a month and then it's like check out this link to a podcast I listen to and that's the update for the month and I'm like I don't know if I'm going to keep paying five dollars for this yeah. yeah or like yeah like sometimes even like 10 bucks and I'm yeah. like this is a I don't know about that. So sometimes I get in my own head about like, we're not putting out enough content anymore, but then I also think 
people just want to support us that are there for that long. Yeah. So it's mostly just like, here's this extra stuff if you actually care. And if you don't, that's okay too. And yeah, this is purely where you're just like, I'm signing up to financially support the band regardless of what the content is. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's a handful of people. Then there's maybe some fans like, oh, a new cover. Yeah. Yeah. Some people get really stoked. Yeah, like More we, active in like the Discord. Yeah, we did like a Golden Girls cover. <laughs> yeah, we tried to make it interactive. So like every, if you subscribe to a tier, a certain tier, like we would pick, like you could pick the song that we cover yeah. and then we was a That's mistake. a classic spin. Patreon tier. <laughs> right. was a mistake. Right. It was 10 bucks. You're in the band. <laughs> More or less. And, you don't pay 25 bucks per month and you could be our drummer. And, <laughs> hey, there and we really go. What, what the covers became was me just recording really obscure covers by myself in our apartment for like three months. Being and like, midding like what crazy. What the fuck is the yeah, song? Yeah. But I would come out and just... <laughs> I like dead inside. I'd be, I'd be in my room and all, from all the way down the hall, I could just hear a sad MIDI keyboard sound. Just like... <laughs> just, just keys... Just for like hours and hours and hours. And I was like, I'm thankful I don't know how to MIDI. <laughs> the, the, the blissful ignorance of it all. Yes. Uh, the, the blissful bass ignorance. Yeah. I, That's our second album name. I just remembered. Well, I just put two together. So the Cavendish Redux is on Bandcamp, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could have just listened to the Bandcamp version of that oh instead, instead of joining of, our own patreon instead of joining our own patreon because i preston I was, and bailey are both monthly patrons i'd like to thank them for their support <laughs> the only reason <laughs> i'm those numbers up is because um i was trying to show our roommate the live the other version of cavendish and he was like what the fuck i've never heard this I was like it's a lot better than like like i like this version a lot better than like what is out the and old like, version yeah, yeah and i couldn't find it and i was like well i'm gonna take the fucking l and spend five bucks on my own band <laughs> yeah. per month like I, like and then so i did that and then i just get a fucking text from gabe with a screenshot she's like what <laughs> <laughs> and i was like i'm trying to listen to cavendish and like now yeah. i realize i could have just gone to band camp i like ending every interview with especially with if I'm talking like a local group um just asking what are some local bands whether they've put out new stuff or just older stuff you've been a fan of lately what have you been kind of having in your rotation lately who do you want to shout out just for like local bands you've kind of been appreciating or enjoying lately whether it's like you played a show with them or just really dig the music or even some of the bands you may have chatted with on the patreon or Mm -hmm. artists um now's the time to do some shout outs i i'm i was PR and in the gym last night to Agony Reigns and Ringer. <laughs> nice. Two, two, well, Thrash and Hardcore from, from Minneapolis. Yeah. Though Agony Reigns are, they're like young, which is like oh, yeah. scary. And it's not in a bad way. It's cool because like, right. they're like doing like convincing Metallica covers and they're all like 18 or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's badass. Oh, no. I'm, I'm, it's funny. I actually, um, they're, they're putting out an album next week. Oh, and right. like I helped. I helped facilitate a little bit of that album. I recorded a couple songs on bass from Matt on that. And yeah, no, they're all, they are all, they're young and crazy talented Mm -hmm. and very gun ho about what they're doing. Yeah. That's what you want to hear. (laughs) Getting by. Getting by. by. Yeah. Stamps. Just Vin? played with them recently. Yeah, yeah. it was great. Don't say Vin. Vin Vin was going to be mine. (laughs) Sorry, bud. And then, uh, the band that I always come back to, Vermilion Heights. Right. I, I have not heard that name in a long time. Fucking love Vermilion Heights. 
Pick of you, Bob's. Uh, Wakefield. It's another really Wakefield. good one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say so one not local, but like smaller still band that actually just signed a tooth and nail. Um, Salt oh. Creek. They okay. are very, very good. Um, their new album that they released recently really slaps. Um, their guitarist has printed like eighty percent of our merch. Yeah, Relentless <laughs> merch is is where their guitar player works. Cool. Um, yeah, they're all super cool. We met some of them like forever ago, and so super, super stand Salt Creek. Um, and then for actual local stuff, Rot always mm-hmm. is a big one for me. Um, I had a bunch pop into my head while you all were talking and then they have escaped me. Oh, okay. Nice. Um, yes, I, when's the album coming, dude, I want to hear it. I hope Chris doesn't care that I say this, but I am on the new, okay, nice, uh, album that he worked on super hard. And, and so I had the pleasure of like getting to listen to it and give feedback on it. And it is like legitimately one of the best rap albums I've heard like in so long, not even just local, but just in general. Love the new Gully Boys. Um, that was really good. Yeah. There, there's like, their audio tree, which just came out. Wait, do they, they have an audio tree? Yeah. They, yeah. Or they, they just filmed it yesterday. I don't oh, know if okay. it's like made it Ooh. online yet, but they I think they filmed it yesterday. Or okay. Was it yesterday, Joe? Or was it Thursday? I think yeah, it was yesterday. It was, yeah. I think it was yesterday. Um, why, why not's pretty sick. I've seen them live a couple times and it's great. And then they just keep like sneaking up these singles, just like dropping them out of nowhere. And they they're, really do. Be and they're always great. <laughs> um, it's awesome. Them in a while. Gowns. Um, I know you just mm-hmm. had them recently on the podcast and yeah. I just got to see them live for the first time. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I wanted to go to their, I definitely kind of told them I was going to go to their show tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's my roommate's birthday. So oh. I, can't. I feel really bad because it's Gound, it's um, actually Coyote Kid, which is yep. another oh, really shit. cool band. Um, oh, yeah, Dury and Coyote Kid. I think it was going to be Dury, who's like blowing up right now. Yep. Really cool stuff that they're putting out. I think they have a new single that either just came out or is coming out soon. Um, but it's actually Austin's playing with Coyote Kid, which is yep. okay. one of like the first kind of local bands that like Joe showed me back when we were still in college together, back when they were still Mara in the main sale. Yeah. Um, so shout out Mara in the main sale and mm-hmm. uh, Coyote Kid. So definitely check them out. I will mention also just shout out Ringer, which is um I believe just you two are in that band. Yeah. Or, okay. And it's kind of like a metalcore kind of deal. You want to plug your social media real quick? Yeah, it's just at Careful Gaze on everything. Yeah, including Patreon and TikTok. Yep. Um, and CarefulGaze.com. Yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned for the new record. Thank you for coming by on this Saturday. We're glad to have people back in the house mm-hmm. yeah. and getting real unhinged, as I said before. But that's the best kind of interview. So um, thank you so much. And yeah. thank you. Thank you. The Ear Coffee Podcast is a companion to the blog of the same name. If you like this episode, please leave us a rate and review so we can stand out among the other music podcasts. You can follow us at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ear Coffee. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>